Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. And Father, we lift you, our kids. In fact, there's something really heavy on my heart. I feel like um, there's an authority here to do something for our kids. And so, Father, we just we thank you, first of all, for the gift of our kids that are actually your kids. And in the authority of your name, we claim their futures. And we demand in the name of Jesus that the enemy cannot touch the destinies you have on your children. In the name of Jesus, may they encounter you with their pastors back in Children's Church today. Amen. I don't remember who it was, but somebody prayed double portion on worship this morning. Was that, was that you? Was that me? Was it me? <laughs> wow. I'm sitting there thinking, next time you're going to have to warn us when you know the anointing's coming like that, but I guess maybe it's my fault. Maybe I prayed it in. <laughs> guys are filling the place up this morning. You're so beautiful out there. <laughs> Free food. It's turkey. That's what, it, it's the turkey. <laughs> Is that why you're here? Okay. <laughs> Infilling. Okay, so. We are in a series on warfare, right? And, 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 you know, I'm not sure. I feel like we're getting close, like we're beginning to wrap up. I know I've got at least one more message um, beyond this one today before I change into whatever the Lord's going to do next. And there might be more. I'm not sure, but I, I can feel that like we're getting, we're getting to the end. Has it been a blessing? Do you feel like you're fighting more effectively? You're winning in new ways that you didn't before? Um, I just want to start by putting out um, a kingdom culture thing, just a principle that's going to lead us into where we're going. Okay, so you all, I, I know you all well enough to know that you know that you are, your citizenship changed, right? As soon as you came to Christ, you were, you were very much a part of one world and you're still in it, right? But you stopped being a part of... Um, you stopped being a minister or a representative of that one and you changed kingdoms, right? The new kingdom, um, this kingdom that you've entered into has an entirely different culture. And let me tell you, this is going to tie to warfare, but just track with me for a minute. This king, the citizenship that you now have is, is a citizenship of, of victory, Okay, and it's, it's just the truth. I'm not saying we win all the time, and believe me, I never win all the time. Ultimately, I always win. How about you? And it's not, it's not because of me, but I, I have my failures, but ultimately I'm going to win, right? We are, by the word of God and, and by the example of Jesus, we are a community of breakthrough. Is that right? We are, we are destined, we are intended to bring breakthrough. How does Jesus teach us to, when they say, teach us to pray? What does he say? He says, pray that, pray that heaven would come, or heaven would come to earth as it is in heaven, right? That's a community that has a culture of breakthrough. You're a bridge between a spiritual and a physical realm as, the, as a son of God, right? You're bringing it here, and it is our, I'm going to use the word again, don't, don't groan, I know. Um, it is your identity, to be someone who brings the, the kingdom of God to this place. That's breakthrough. That's victory. And you know, any spiritual victory, and this is what we're going to talk about this morning, every, every, I shouldn't say any, every spiritual victory is, is being able to think like the Lord. Do you know that that's true? I'm going to... Um, Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm just going to start in a couple of introduction places um, to get us back on page where we're at in this study. And then we're going to such good, good, good places. Um, and I think we've used this scripture almost, almost every week during this study, and it's really everything, everything we've done 
um, kind of launches from here, right? Because we have to be grounded in a spiritual reality. So um, if I didn't give you a verse, I'm starting right in verse 1. 2 Corinthians 10.1. Now I, Paul, myself am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Okay, so all that, the reason I read all of that is because I want you to see he's about to, he's about to make that contrast that we've seen over and over again, walking according to the flesh. Verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly stuff, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now I'm just gonna pause, and I know we've taught on this before, but it's, it's so... In, in such an important way, it's going to lead us into something, a, a word that I believe the Lord has for us this morning. So we're going to talk about strongholds. Strongholds, and I'm going to just do this quickly. Strongholds um, can be for the enemy or for God, right? A stronghold is merely a place where an authority, a power resides, and it can go out and accomplish things. All right, right? Y'all got this. We've talked about this before. Strongholds are the places where we think contrary to God or we think like he does, which is victory, right? Let me keep reading, okay? So our weapons are mighty for pulling down these strong strongholds. And what is that? Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This, obviously, this is a warfare verse. This is where the war is won and lost. Is that right? In fact, this is the entire war. So long as we think like God, and we've said this before, you know, you can't afford to think about your circumstances different than God thinks about them, right? <laughs> you can't afford to think about yourself, your own identity, different than God thinks about you, right? Because if you do, then what? That's losing the war, right? But we, we have what we need. We have the weapons, bringing down everything. And how do we do that? Bringing it into captivity to the obedience of Christ, right? So last week we talked about obedience. And, and here, is obedi here is a fine point on obedience in terms of the way it's the foundation of our warfare. Into the fulfillment disobedience okay um verse six now here's why i'm reading this verse six says and so speaking of jesus speaking of god it says and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled now i want you to see this because this is going to lead us in you know every week i say if you don't interpret from love then what you'll get it wrong <laughs> every time so um so we've got a ground in love here this is some of the best news you'll ever read read um so what's this saying about him he's ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled now listen um if you are here for the past few messages messages this is really going to make sense if not, it's okay. Let it go. There's a really good word and you're not going to miss anything. But here we're beginning to talk again about old man, new man. You got it? In other words, what's this saying? It's saying be, he's going he's gonna to be totally ready to punish all the disobedience in you when there's none of the new man left. And I mean to say when there's none of the old man left and it's been completely crucified with him, completely put to death with Jesus and the only voice that's winning anymore is the spirit-filled new man in which the, there, there is no fruit of disobedience. The new man has obedience, the spirit-filled man. And so do you see how good that news is? In other words, that's just, that just said he's going to be totally ready to punish everything that's unrighteous in you as soon as there's no unrighteousness in you. As soon as the new man has completely won. As soon as everything that thinks contrary to God is out. <laughs> and everything that thinks like God is who you've become as the Spirit fills you. Then he's really going to punish that disobedience. Of which now for you there is none. 
The word of God says you will be like him when you see him as he is. And that's, that's the judgment day, right? That's when he's going to be totally ready to eradicate everything that's contrary to him. I hope that's good news. And that, that's really the love we got to start from. But just bear in mind that that obedience verse is in a passage right here where we're talking about warfare. And we're talking about thinking like he thinks. Okay? So... Um, having done that, um, go with me to Matthew 16, and then we're going to jump into the good stuff. Is this good already? Yes. A good introduction? <laughs> okay. Now, this is going to be an illustration of the failure to think like God thinks. Did I give you the verse yet? Okay, Matthew 16, verse 21, I think. Yep. 21, that's where we're going to start. It's an illustration of failing to think like God, of having high things that are contrary to God, of thinking you know better. You see, only the old man thinks he or she knows better. <laughs> okay? Here in verse 21, it says, um, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. Okay, I'm going to keep reading, but in other places, it, um, the Word of God often says he set his face. What's that mean? He's, he's set on a mission. And anytime you see that he's going to Jerusalem, it means he knows full well what he's headed there for, which is what? Okay, yep, to make the sacrifice, to be the, to be the priest, to be the lamb of the world. His face is set for Jerusalem. And here it says... Um, uh, that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go. So now, so now listen, he's beginning to tell his disciples future stuff. This is what's about to happen. He's warning them he's, so that they're not going to be shocked and overcome by it. And then what happens? They end up being kind of shocked and overcome by it. But um, anybody like that? <laughs> when, God, when a move of God really starts, I mean, even though I'm like, I've prayed for it and I want this and I'm ready and then a move of God comes and I'm shocked and overcome by it. Like It says um, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. In other words, Jesus knows all this stuff. Verse 22, then Peter took him aside. I, I love this. This is just one of my favorite. Peter always makes me feel at home. Um, Peter thinks it's a great, great idea. He's going to rebuke Jesus. Um, Jesus doesn't understand the mission like Peter does. So Peter takes him aside and rebukes him saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. It's a quality. It might be the most quality example of thinking contrary to the future God's put out there, <laughs> okay? And Jesus, so, so now here it is. Here's why we're reading it. Verse 23, but he, that's Jesus, turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. I'm gonna read on, but, but now listen, we have to stop there. I think oftentimes we think that, that Jesus is calling Peter Satan. I don't think that's what's going on. This is kind of like um, the story, and I don't know where it is right now, but um, I believe it's just after Jesus' baptism. He goes into the synagogue, and there's a demonized man, and Jesus just, we did this like three weeks, four weeks ago or something, I think, and Jesus just speaks directly to the demon, right? He doesn't even speak to the man. He knows that if he's going to minister, if he, he's going to make the kingdom of heaven come to earth as it is in heaven, then he's going to take authority. He's going to speak directly to the demon, to the influence on the man. Are, are you tracking? Y'all remember that? Okay, I believe that's what's going on here. Um, but there's more that I want us to see. He goes on and says, he says, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. Why? For you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. Okay, why is Peter so far off track? His mind is full. First of all, we see that there's a demonic influence, right? That recognize it or not, this is a warfare verse. So many things that we read are spiritual warfare, even though we may not be reading it that way, it is. And with Jesus, it's just so matter of fact, it's easy to miss that we're reading warfare stuff, that the warfare is is 
continuous, right? The warfare never ceases. God never stops working. Jesus says, my father is always working, so I'm always working, right? Well, so is the enemy because he's against the, the two opposing kingdoms. And so two things that I feel like we need to see from this, from this encounter, you know, this is an encounter. Peter encounters Jesus, <laughs> in a deep way here. And Jesus, um, so two things, okay. First of all, um, which one should I do first? Well, let's just tackle, okay, first of all, what, what is he dealing with? We've got to see that. He's dealing with his mind being, from the demonic, being filled with the wrong things. Right? The second thing I want you to see is how Jesus thinks. Jesus' mind is filled with the right, the right things, right? And what, how is Jesus thinking in this? And it might be a trick question. It might not be so obvious. So I'll just put it out there. Jesus is future thinking. In fact, what I'm going to show you this morning in various things that the Lord's put on my heart is that if we're going to win more, and we are, are we going to win more? Yeah. Okay, if we're going to win war, then we're going to think like he thinks. And I'm going to show you that in all of Scripture. And the way he thinks is future thinking. We've already been talking about this lately, okay? In Paul's discussion where he's fighting with the old man, new man stuff, and, and he's unwilling to identify with his old man, that's not even me that does it. I'm off the hook. That's not me. My new man desires the things of God, right? God is future thinking. He never leads us to think about our identity out of our past. In fact, how many of you know that when you, when you, think, um, when you think either about God's plans, and I'm going to show you how it's the same thing, or your identity in Christ, um, any of that stuff, and you think from the past, you, you think from past experience, it, it always takes you out of the way God thinks. Has anybody experienced that? Or is there somebody in here who has a really positive experience when you think about, when you think about your ancient past and that's supposed to be the fuel for the, for, we're going from glory to glory and that's supposed to be the fuel for that glory that you're coming into? Does that work out better for anybody in here? <laughs> Never works for me. Okay, what, what's, what it's filled with myself from the past. And I'm going to tell you that God's solution, what is there? There's past, and I'm going to show you this. There's past, present, there's the present. You're sitting in it right now. You have your present problems. You have your present frustrations. You have present attacks against you. And then there's the future, right? And what I'm going to show you in the Word of God, I'm going to tell you before I do it, God always finds the solution for the present in your future. There's only one way that he does it. He speaks over you. He speaks a word that is what your future is, and that's the solution for your present. Amen? Anybody's brain smoking, or is this already resonating with you? Okay. Jesus is forward thinking. Now, I have to do this before I move on. Why did he have this discussion with Peter? You recognize that, um, okay, you recognize that the atmosphere, the, the time, the moment, it was filled with people who didn't think like God. <laughs> right? He could have went through a crowd and been like, um, get behind me, Satan, you don't think like me. Get behind me, Satan, you don't think like me. You know, right? He could have done that. Why did he do it with Peter? And this is so important. He's preparing Peter. And listen, he has, and I want to tell you, he wants to have these same encounters with you. He's preparing you. He does this with Peter, first of all, because he's nuts about him. But I really want you to see, he's, he's crazy in love with him like he is with you. But what I really want you to see is that he has great expectations for Peter. Jesus is not only talking about, about his own future, about Jesus' 
future and what's spoken from the Father over his life and what he's going to fulfill. He's future thinking about himself, but I want you to see in this passage, he's future thinking about Peter. The reason he's willing to say, to, to say, get behind me, Satan, you're, you're an offense to kingdom stuff because you're not thinking kingdom stuff, you're thinking contrary to it, is because he has great expectation. He's future thinking for Peter, and that's how he is with you. Because you have a big call, right? Is there anybody in here who doesn't have a high call? Okay, all right, now um, go back with me. We're actually going to start at the scripture that we started on last week, and we're going to do something entirely different. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 with me, verse 11. I'm going to show you how this is future thinking, and then we're going to start looking at some real examples, starting with Jesus, because I actually... I think Jesus is kind of cool. So we're going to start with him as the example, and then we're going to look at other places where it's worked out in other people's lives. Okay. It says, this is a faithful saying. I always kind of pause when I see that in the word of God because, like, is there anything in there that's not a faithful saying? So this must be like, listen up. This is a, this is a faithful saying. And it says, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Y'all remember reading that? Actually, we let the Holy Spirit speak into that last week, didn't we? If we endure. Now, I, wanna, I just want to put this out there. Okay, do you know endure is a future word, right? It, it's an if, and it's an if we endure. It's not just a future word, but it actually suggests battle. Do you see that? It actually suggests that there's something to persevere, something to overcome. And it's future thinking. If we endure, we'll reign with him. What's the result of enduring? Reigning. And we're in a series on power and authority, on winning war. Who's made for authority? Who has it already? Right, the moment you came to Jesus. Now, now you remember, power is, de- is, is um, learned, it's developed how to walk in it as you walk in intimacy with Jesus, right? It's different than authority. The, and I'm just going to put this out again. The very moment that you are a son of God, that's identity, right? The very moment you have that identity, you have the authority of the kingdom, you're of the royal family. It's, it's in t- instantaneous. You don't have to do anything. It's the gift of God. You got it? Power is a whole nother matter. The power, when it says that Jesus set them about in power and authority, power is a matter, that is um, the ability to execute or exert the calling that's in your authority. Right? And that is only developed in intimacy with Jesus. Power is learned as you, as you are intimately doing what you see him doing with him, right? Okay. Now, I want to look at an example of Jesus, and this is going to lead us into the, into the good stuff. I, I just think that this gets better and better this morning. That's how I, I feel. I'm having a party up here anyway, so I hope you're enjoying it. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to start right in verse 1, and we're going to look at Jesus is the standard, right? Is there anybody you know who's good enough to be your standard? <laughs> just Jesus. No denomination, no particular church, no particular spiritual mentor. Jesus is the standard. Well, here's the standard. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. So you see that endurance word, right? Let us run a race. What's the race? I think I heard people say, my life. Did somebody say that? That's right. Your, your race is your calling. He's using that as a metaphor. So in other words, you, he does have specific plans, a race for you to run. 
okay? But now I'm going to show you how Jesus does it, because he's the standard. It says, looking unto Jesus, right? So the writer here, inspired in the Holy Spirit, understood that that's the only standard for you to look at. So he's saying, look there, look, look here, because that's the standard. Look under Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Now here it is, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now let's just stop right there for a minute. Um, first of all, just notice, do you notice Jesus endured? Okay, very God himself had something to endure. In fact, I think... Um, I'm not positive this is the truth, but I know it's in there. I think it's somewhere about chapter 9 in Hebrews. Do you know it literally says that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered? Meditate on that one for a while. <laughs> the Son of God, the God himself, Jesus was God. Don't, don't, don't lay that aside. Jesus was God. God himself, as, as the one who laid it down to come to earth and re-inherit re everything as a man, that's kind of how that works. God himself had to learn obedience. The word of God says that. Through endurance, through the things that he suffered. You got it? If for him, then, and he's my standard, how much more for me? Okay, but that's not even what I want to show you. Um, it says, so, but how did he do it? How did he endure? It's right there in the word of God. For the joy that was set before him. You see, even he, he was future thinking about his own call. I want to tell you something. If you're not in touch with how high your high calling is, how unbelievably majestic God's plans for you are, the blessings, what does it say? More than you can think or imagine. He's got laid up for you. I think we read that. I, th I think we believe it when we read it. But I want to tell you something. If you separate it from what we're talking about this morning, then, then a power for endurance has been lost. Because even Jesus, it was for the joy set before him. For that, he was able to endure in perfect obedience to his father. Forward thinking. Okay, and it goes and says, despising the shame. He endured the cross, despising the shame. What does that mean? The word despising really means more like he refused to esteem it. Okay, in other words, do you know, was there shame in his going on to the cross? Yeah, it was, in fact, it was, the, it was the most shameful thing that anybody could be put through in their culture. Does anybody hate shame like I do? Nastiest stuff, I can't stand it. Jesus refused to esteem it. He refused to regard it. How did he have that endurance? For the joy set before him, he was forward thinking. In other words, now listen, in other words, he believed the words of his father over him. And I'll tell you that that's the warfare. That's it. That's the warfare over you, over your call, over your life, over your family, is to believe the words of the Father over it. And I want to tell you, life is like this. You, you stand on one side of the mountain and there's a valley, there's a warfare out in front of us, and victory is over on the other side. And it's when our eyes are, are forward thinking on the words of God, the valley's not scary. Um, what is, is it, Psalm 20? The, um, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And y'all, most half of us in here have that memorized. And, and the other half of you far better than I've got it memorized for sure. But you got it? It's, it's forward thinking. If you're looking down at the valley, if you're looking in the valley that you're walking through, you really got it stacked against you. Does that make sense? Jesus doesn't set that standard. He doesn't illustrate fighting this war that way. And, and hopefully I'm going to give you lots of examples so you just truly believe me, believe God when you go home today because forward thinking is the way that you, get, you have spiritual victory. Remember last week we're talking about, in fact, for the last several weeks, I think, we're talking about um, disobedience is what? Let's see if you got it now. The fruit of, of unbelief, of lack of faith. It's a fruit. We think of it as a real concrete action, and oh, it does express itself in actions. It does, but it's, it's, the, it's the fruit 
of lacking faith. Now listen to me. Forward-thinking people that, f- that follow the standard of Jesus, forward-thinking people who say, God spoke this. And so you might see me in a battle right now, but that's not actually, that's not actually who I am. That's not actually um, what is. When does it become? The moment God speaks it, right? Is when it is. <laughs> I'm in the process to getting to what God spoke. How about you? You might look at me and see me in a battle right now. But my faith is in the words of God, not what you see, not what I see. Does that make sense? Okay, now I'm going to show you this. Oh, well, I have to finish this. So he refused to esteem the shame. And then it says, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now I want to show you, this is the illustrate. This is Jesus' illustration of if we endure, we shall also reign with him. What was the result of that verse? He sat down. He had a seat in the, in the seat and his name became the name under which every name shall bow. He sat down in the seat where all authority comes from. That's the result of enduring the cross, despising the shame for the joy set before him because he was forward-minded. Now, just um, for one moment... Uh, for those of you who, are, who were here last week, I'm going to do this. We're going to read one verse from the story last week, okay? Where So the whole thing, um, Saul, God's decided Saul's out, Samuel delivers the word because of disobedience and all that. And, and, um, and we talked about how the Lord loves Saul, right? He didn't regret Saul, he regretted making Saul king. Two different things. And so Samuel, the, the pastor or the prophet to Saul, is grieving. And um, go to 1 Samuel 16, and I'm going to show you how the father is future thinking. We're going to begin to see it here. 16 verse 1. You see, you know how you know when you're being passed thinking instead of future thinking like God is? All kinds of ways. It's fruit, okay? (laughs) You're going to see it in fruit. You're going to hear the bleeding of the sheep, the lowing of the oxen like we talked about last week. What? It's um, when when you're in the throes of emotional upheaval, when you're when you're riddled with fear instead of faith, when you're, you know, you name it. All these ways. When you're battling a spirit of offense and it's winning. The spirit of offense, the spirit of despising a spirit of a lack of love all the things that happen those evidences are evidencing that you're thinking in the past because that's not what god is speaking forth for your future so you're not thinking like god okay does that make sense okay anyway okay so here um 16 verse 1 now the lord said to samuel how long will you mourn for saul Seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Okay, all I really want to grab from this, since we spent so much time on the story last week, I just want to grab one thing that's for this morning. The Father is forward thinking. The Lord is forward thinking. Do you see it? He's mourning. And I'm not saying it was inappropriate for him to mourn. And I don't, I don't think that, um, that the Lord speaking to him is saying it was inappropriate for him to mourn. But he's saying, I've got the solution for your situation at the moment. What's the solution for, for his present? The future thing that I'm speaking, right? He says, how long are you going to mourn? Um, seeing I've rejected him. And you notice he doesn't give him a chance to answer. A lot of times in Scripture, the Lord does. You know, I'll have a conversation with Moses, and they'll, they'll go back and forth, you know, all day long. Here, he doesn't even give him a chance to, to answer. He says, how long will you mourn? And he goes right on and says, fill your horn with oil and go. <laughs> I've got a solution for this morning, and it happens to be in, a, in, a, in victory in the future that I speak now. It, what's, what's he basically saying? He's, going, he's saying, go spread the anointing. <laughs> get up <laughs> I, I see how oh yeah it's so sad boy I do see it's sad so get up 
<laughs> and let's go into a victorious future. You know, God never lacks a solution. <laughs> we, we get into stuff and, and we're like, oh no, as soon as you have that oh no feeling, say to yourself, I'm not thinking like God. <laughs> and it'll begin to solve because he, there's no limit to his creativity. There's no limit to his resources. Most of all, there's no limit to his love for you and, and his unrelenting um, stubbornness about getting you to the words that he speaks over you. <laughs> See, he doesn't lack solutions, ever. If he's given you a word, there's, mm, here I go now. If he's given you a word, there's one thing I'll promise you. You're going to face a warfare in it. And it's probably coming real soon. You get a powerful word about God's speaking all kinds of things about the future of this church and, and, and what he wants us to do with, with properties, uh, the camp and things like that. And he's speaking things. I want to tell you something. The moment that you get a word, there's an enemy that, that also hears the word of God. And the only thing he can try to do is get you to not think like God. So all kinds of circumstances and things will raise their ugly head. The lion will start to roar to try to get your mind off of what God has spoken to you or get you to fear over the road to get there so that you're not thinking like him and will start to lose the battle. That's the way we lose the battle. The way we win the battle is to think like God. You see, that's forward thinking. God spoke it. And so you know how we're supposed to act we're supposed to act as if it already is. Do you know that's the biblical definition of hope? The word of God says hope is, is a certainty that we have. It's not like the world has hope, like, ooh, I hope there's some ice cream out there at the turkey dinner. That, that's not hope. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where that stuff comes from. <laughs> Biblical hope is a certainty that I know God. I've seen him before. And when he speaks it, it's done. And so I can, I can go into some battle. I can be in a, in a spiritual warfare and it can be manifesting in my physical. Everything can start to fall out the bottom. But I have hope. I have certainty because I know God that way. He spoke it. <laughs> You look at my present and you see a problem. You see, this is, this is the mindset of a warrior. You look at my present and you see a problem. I look at the present and I, I know um, that what God has spoken is actually what is. I'm just in the process of getting it to manifest. Just hold on a second. Don't you worry. I'm telling you, that's the mindset of a warrior. Y'all are getting so... And there are lots of examples in the Word of God that we could... Maybe we will. Um, not this morning, but um, sometime. Maybe we will. We'll have like a warrior party. Uh, <laughs> does that sound good? But you see examples where the warriors had, exhibit exactly that attitude. They say, the people start getting all freaked out and getting all worried. And they say, they say guys... Don't worry. The Lord's given the victory into our hands. How do you know? He spoke it. <laughs> Calm down, would you? He spoke it. We're going to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you, God. All right. So, as usual, we're not going to get nearly where I thought we were going to get. <laughs> Isn't this fun, though? Are you all having fun, or am I having fun by myself? Okay. I want you to see it in the words of Paul. So go to Philippians um, chapter 3. Partly I want you to see that this isn't like some obscure theme that the Lord put on my heart, some strange thing. It's, it's, the, it's the whole of the way God thinks. And so you'll see it everywhere. If you've not thought about this before, or it's not something you've been conscious of before, um, you're going to see it everywhere now. You're welcome. <laughs> you're not going to be able to not to. And here it is in Paul's words, um, chapter 3, verse 12. 
Paul says, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, or that word could be complete in this thing I'm about to talk about. But he says, but I press on that it, now here, it's, this is just loaded. You could spend a month just on this phrase. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. <laughs> oh, I love that. Do you know that he's laid hold of you? He's laid hold of you. And there's a specificness in this language. Do you know that? He picked you. with a Pick me, pick me. He chose you. He picked you. And it was for particular, there is particular um, majesty <laughs> that he speaks over you. Not general. Not like, well, d- did he pick the person sitting in next to you? Yeah, he did. He did. But, but that, he picked them for their reasons, for their glory. They're moving to, from their own glory to glory to glory. And so are you. He picked you. And, and this is Paul saying, what does he press on for? To lay hold of that which Jesus picked me to lay hold of. That's your victory. <laughs> he loves you like that. I hope that's making you feel really loved. That's why I paused for a minute. Do you know what kind of love that is? He's laid hold of you because he wants you to lay hold of stuff. Treasures, the word of God, it says, in these earthen vessels, we have treasure in this earthen vessel. We get very focused on the vessel. And I believe we're we're supposed to be focused on the treasure. We're supposed to be seeking it out. I press on to lay hold of the treasure. That's not even why we're reading this. Let me see. Um, That was good, though, wasn't it? (laughs) And verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended it, but one thing I do... Now, you know, when somebody says one thing, I guarantee he does more than one thing. But he means it so much. He says, one thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You know what that's saying? I think like God does. Um, There's, oh, there's a whole bunch of hindering stuff back there. I used to slaughter Christians for a living. (laughs) There's plenty of stuff back there. That, that could hinder me, that could fog me, that could strike at my identity, that could make me feel weak, make me believe in all kinds of things instead of God. But one thing I do is forget about that, and I think like God. I look at what he's spoken. I look at the, my destiny, the treasures in me that he's spoken for me. That's getting to victory. That's still not why we're reading this, though. Um, forgetting those things which are behind. Okay, so forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things um, which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, here's why we're reading this. <laughs> Verse 15, he's got a big therefore. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, now I'm going to keep reading, but I want to point something out. Paul just taught us in in that right there. He's teaching us that this is a characteristic of maturity. Now, he was willing to say in previous verses we just read that not that I've fully attained it, not that I'm complete, but now, now we get to a part where he says, therefore, as many as are mature, you see, he doesn't expect this of the immaturity. People that get all fraught and razzled and emotional upheaval and oh, they're up and they're down. And I do it too, okay? I'm like Paul. I would stand here and say, not that I've attained it or I've become perfect, (laughs) but a trait of spiritual maturity is this stability in God that comes from being future thinking, thinking like he thinks, which means we have used the weapons of our warfare to bring down the strongholds that make us think contrary to him. Are we, are, is that okay? Does that make sense? Okay. He says, so as many as are mature have this mind. What mind? What mind? <laughs> I love when I do that. I answer, and, yeah. I'll bet you every one of you was right. Because <laughs> you guys are just good like that. But the mind, <laughs> the mind is the forward thinking mind. 
is the mind that believes the words of God more than what my circumstances have to say about it. I'm grounded in what God speaks about the future. I know that he put this on my life. So my circumstances might be saying something else, but just hold on a second. I'm not even looking at that, so I wouldn't waste your time looking at it. Forward thinking, I press on. And then this last part, really, I'll start wrapping up because I want to leave time for the Lord's table, but um, unfortunately, I'll start wrapping up. But... um, Really good news comes next. It says, and if anything in you, think otherwise. Listen to those words. If there's anything in you. Do you know that's the old man stuff that we were talking about? We're not even willing to identify with the old man, right? Why? That man is passing away. It's just barely has a voice anymore. As our new man, our new spirit-filled man, the new creation God made lives and we're becoming people where that's all that's going to be left of you is the new man. I'm looking forward to that. How about you? (laughs) But it says, if anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Do you know that's good news? That sounds, sounds like bad news and I'll tell you there is a lot of There's some pain in that healing, growing process in that little phrase we just just read, but that's a faithfulness. Oh, that's a faithfulness of a God that's nuts, crazy, in love with you. He makes a promise to you. He says, I will make sure that as you draw into intimacy with you, that we'll get rid of anything that thinks another way. The part of you that wants to dwell in your past where your identity was splattered and beaten and God says, oh no, you, you've got an identity that is beautiful. That is not your identity, that old man. And he stubbornly, he will not let you fail to come fully into the new man so that there's nothing to punish and so that you reach all the destiny that he's planned over you. That's a promise. God will reveal even this to you. Now, let's give this last thought. This just goes back. Y'all have heard me say several times lately, I've begun to pray um, for myself. Actually, I'm praying it over you. Sorry about that. So expect things to happen here. But (laughs) I'm praying that he's making us into people who can receive what he's speaking over us. Or Jesus says, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them yet. I believe that's always true. And so anymore, I'm just, I'm praying for, it started kind of, kind of selfish. I was praying just really for myself. And then I've extended it to you. I'm praying this over you. I'm praying that he's making us into a people that can receive everything he has to say to us. Because every time he speaks, what? Every time he speaks, your identity is more set free. The new man's winning over the old and we, be, we become more, we think more and more like he does. The more we keep our eyes on the prize, the more we're thinking like God. He's never worried about the past or the present. Never. I've never known Jesus to be distraught over what's going on. He was distraught over pain he was going to face in his obedience, in his horrible, painful obedience. But I've never seen him be distraught about whether this was going to hinder where we need to go, the, the, the destiny God has spoken. And he's not distraught over your situation either. He's inviting you to believe him. <laughs> That's it. And starting with your identity. Welcome back. We have the best of the kingdom back in the house. Okay. Um, Perfect timing. I'm really going to... Is it okay if I pray for you? Okay, here's what I'm going to pray. I want to talk to you for just a second first, okay? Um, The Word of God says that He sets a table in the presence of our enemies. Do you know why? Why would he set the table in the presence of our enemies? It is in the presence of our enemies that we need the bounty of this table. 
okay? And it's not on accident. Now listen to me. This may be the most important thing the Lord has to say. There is no battle that you ever face that is not purposeful and designed to reveal your identity, your sonship in God. Do you know that? Every battle, every challenge, every persecution, everything you face in the sovereignty of God is for the revealing of your sonship out of you. The only way your sonship is revealed is in this table. In the presence of your enemies is the place where God, you know you are already spoken. You get that, right? You're already spoken. You stand perfect before the throne. But he's also building you into a warrior that can hold the weight of glory he wants to put on you, right? Every battle, every challenge, everything you ever face is for the revealing of these spoken words of God over you. And it is in the presence of your enemies that the sons of God are revealed. And only with the sustenance of this table. So it's, it's not a uh, coincidence. He purposely sets this table in the midst of your battles, in the presence of your enemies. Because it's our job to make the enemy look silly and make the glory bring heaven to earth, make the glory of God manifest in this place. Amen? Okay, could the worship team come up and I'll, I'll just pray over this dinner and really this is what I would suggest. Um, if you want, of course, let the Holy Spirit guide you, but I'll put out this invitation. I would, I would just invite you, as you come to the table, whenever you're ready, we're gonna set it out of here in the middle like we always do, and as you come to the table, just... Invite the Holy Spirit to share something of your future. <laughs> do you believe he wants to do that with you? He loves you like that, right? Ask him to share something of your future that you can set your eyes on. That'll give you the endurance to come into that enduring power that he means for you to have. Okay? Or anything else the Holy Spirit puts on your heart. We thank you that you are the one who, uh, who spilled the blood for the, um, for the washing of our sin and the broken body that brings us fully into this covenant for your glory. And Lord, I, we, believe, we believe the word of God and what you have spoken about this table. We believe that grace is available here grace, the mercy of the blood and the grace to uh, the grace to bring us into the righteousness, the power to come into the righteousness that you've planned for us. And we worship you. We thank you that you have spoken futures. And so in the name of Jesus, I just bless this meal. I bless this meal and we ask that it would be filled with your Holy Spirit and all the things that you want to do in our hearts. Amen. Amen. 